on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Let's get back into this. Welcome into the Alana Inquirer podcast, and let's get back to our position previews. We've done all of the offense, so quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, offensive line. We broke it all down, so go back in the podcast queue uh, and get all those. Binge these as you get ready for the Alana football season. It's Jeremy Warner, Alana Inquirer publisher, with Joey Wagner of Alana Inquirer as well. We're recording this one on August 16th, so just 12 days away from the opener against Nebraska. And let's shift to the side of the ball that, um, you know, the last couple of years might actually um, have, have done more, I guess, you know, defensively in 2019. So many takeaways. There were a huge reason uh, that Illinois was able to get back. And, and last year, I think the offense was maybe a little bit more disappointing and more of the focus. Um, but defensively, Illinois was atrocious last year, and I think there might be more questions on that side of the ball given the experience at quarterback, running back, offensive line, tight end that Illinois has. I think there's more questions on this side of the ball, even though you do get a couple key pieces back in Tony Adams and Jake Hansen, a lot of familiar faces up front, but in different positions. And I think this front five that we're going to talk about, I think we can call it front five, front four, whatever it is, This is the position preview for the defensive line and outside linebackers. And it's basically a lot of the familiar names we had from last year's defensive line, Joey. But they're going to be put in different positions. We saw a very vanilla 3-4 base defense during um, the spring game. And, of course, we have a group of defensive linemen and outside linebackers. And these outside linebackers basically are former defensive ends that are now two uh, point stance stand up edge rushers and they're they're in different positions but they're working together and, and I felt like it was right to kind of put these guys together Joey rather than break them up because while they have different roles these are the people getting after the quarterback these are the people that are the front line of the defense uh, against stopping the run and to be honest with you it was a group that to me was pretty disappointing last year giving given you know they they got after the quarterback a little bit Owen Carney had a little bit of a breakthrough but against the run Illinois was was very disappointing so uh, do you agree with the, the reasoning to to kind of put this group together for this position preview yeah I do because I think sometimes when we watch it it's going to be kind of hard there there are going to be times where it looks a little bit like what we've seen before uh, and they all in my mind do I, I think in year one it's going to look a lot of the same now as they start to really get their own piece, especially for these outside linebackers, you might see it look a little bit differently, but I, I think of this group all as one. Like I, I don't at all, no point of me thinks about the inside and the outside linebackers as the same thing. Like not even, I know the word is common, right? Linebackers, but nothing about that is similar to me. Uh, so yeah, I, I think all of this probably a front five is the, most reasonable or the way I think of it, but yeah, it's get, see quarterback, get quarterback and stop the run, man. And, and we'll see it's been disappointing in some areas on, on that front into the past. 
All right, so let's let's look a little bit at this because what I find interesting, Joey, is despite this huge change in defensive scheme, right? I think you're going to see, I know we've used this word a little bit, multiple, but I think you're just going to see a, a defense that disguises more, that is a little bit more aggressive in its blitzing, a little bit more um, unknown to a lot of people. And that's why I think more so defensively than anything, Brett Bielma has really closed down practice so that Nebraska doesn't know what's coming. Is it going to be a 4-2-5? Is it going to be a 3-4? Can that change in the middle of the game? That'll all, we'll all learn that uh, together, basically. Uh, but I do think it's going to have more of the three, four elements, more of the modern elements that uh, teams have used to attack modern offenses. But I, I do think it's interesting that given that Lovey Smith was recruiting for a 4-3, 4-2-5, uh, whatever you wanted to use for that, that these pieces do seem to fit more of a 3-4 defense. And and I think they've obviously changed some guys in these roles, but I always thought Keith Randolph made more of a sense as as a 3-4 defensive lineman. Calvin Avery is a perfect fit for a nose guard, and I know he can play some 3-tech in this as well, and these guys all have versatility, but I thought he would fit more. I thought Isaiah Gay, Seth Coleman, they were built more like 3-4 edge rushers, outside linebackers than, than traditional defensive ends. I think Owen Carney is more of a traditional defensive end but he's going to play this outside linebacker role again I think it could be very similar to what he played last year but I do think they had some pieces that had the versatility that this could even get more out of them especially some of the names I just mentioned there yeah I don't know how many times you'll see like full schematic I don't call this a full schematic change defensively and you still have enough like pieces between the two uh the, the overlaps and you're right I think the one that really kind of doesn't fit as well into his new role would be Owen Carney. I don't think that means he's not going to have success. I just think that like I could see Isaiah Gay dropping into coverage more times than I would imagine Owen Carney will. But that defensive line will will take out the the linebackers. That is so interesting to me right now. And, you know, some, for a couple of those guys, they've got really, really high potential, Jeremy. Yeah, let's talk about that group because uh, I do think Lovey Smith, despite disappointment on the field, left some real talent in the defensive line positions. And it's really, we could see two of these guys on the field at once or three of these guys on the field at once, depending on whatever uh, defensive scheme they want to throw out there. Uh, I thought Lovey Smith, the last few years, one of the positions he recruited really well uh, was defensive linemen. Uh, and we look at this group, Calvin Avery. We saw in the spring take a step forward. I thought towards the end of last season, especially against Penn State, you saw some of those flashes that made him a four-star prospect. Uh, obviously, John Johnny Newton was one of my favorite prospects they've gotten in the last couple of years, and he makes an impact as a true freshman, which is really, really difficult to do, but just a great athlete for his size, can really disrupt things, and now with an added year of strength as a redshirt freshman, I think he can take a big step forward, and a guy I think we both think is is due for a big rise here and could be a big X factor for this defensive line is Keith Randolph. Uh, now six foot five, up to 300 pounds, um, really athletic, former really good basketball player in high school with EJ Liddell at Belleville West. Uh, but I, I've seen him show some flashes that he's been raw, but he's starting to think like a football player. He's starting to look like a football player that those three just long-term. And then you add Virtus Brown back to the group. I think there's some long-term talent. And then you also have uh, some veterans and whether it's Avery, you know, has some snaps under his belt, uh, his big belt. And then Roderick Perry and Jamal Woods, 
uh, two veterans. You know, Jamal Woods has battled from some injuries. Roderick Perry had a season-ending injury, but Roderick was was really good after transferring from South Carolina State. Was one of their most impactful defensive linemen. So. There's some talent here that I could see some of these guys working their way to an NFL team eventually, Joey, that, you know, it feels like four or five years ago, we're talking about a defensive line group that was just overmatched physically. This is not a group that should be overmatched physically. I want to start with Johnny Newton because one, that was a huge flip for Illinois to get him. And if I remember right, it was fairly late in the process that they, they ended up flipping him. And remember, like, one, I think it's really the trenches, offensive line, defensive line, are a really hard place to be 18 years old in the Big Ten. I mean, that's just – that stinks. And he, he did a pretty good job with it without a normal offseason, right? Like, he came in, and it's like training camp starts and it stops, and, and everything is so disjointed. And I thought he still played pretty well, well and early, right? Like, it was like within the first few games that we looked at him, we're like, okay, like this – this kid could really be something, and, and he stuck around through the coaching change. And I think his ceiling is is just remarkably – I mean, he was a running back in high school, right? Like, which is, it doesn't matter a lot. I would love to see a goal line carry here or there. But, like, he's a really good athlete. For as large as he is, he's a big, you know, big, good-looking kid. I just think when you look at him and you look at Keith Randolph, he started playing high school football – or football in high school. Like, this wasn't something he – really intended to do and he gets into it and and then you just see all of these pieces come together and for the next two years three years however long that they're going to be around those are two really really good defensive linemen I mean like really good I I think their ceilings they've got to meet all that right but like they've got the potential to really like be fixtures and it's been a little bit since Illinois had constant fixtures on, on the defensive line, more than uh, Jamal Milan was somebody who was around, but it's similar to Jamal Woods, you know, you get some injuries and, and it's hard to be a fixture if you're missing so many games. And now you have guys who you know, can't predict injuries, but I mean, redshirt freshmen, depending on how they want to describe what Johnny Newton is. I mean, right. It, last year didn't count. Same with Keith Randall. So I guess technically they're both redshirt freshmen. I mean, they could be around a little bit and, and they could really, be a part of being just key pieces. Like I think of it like Palcheski and Vidarian Lowe and Doug Kramer on the offensive side, just guys who are reliable, who are there, who are talented. And that matters so much in this conference when you were, like you said, overmatched three, four years ago. Yeah, I, I always thought Johnny Newton was that ideal three technique, right, for Lovey Smith's defense. And, and he started to show that, that that Purdue game, he was one of the best performances by an Illinois defensive lineman, and he was a true freshman last year. And, and you know, still figuring this out, still kind of overwhelmed. But you saw that talent come through. And I hate to I use a comp like this, but you, you think of a guy like, like a Warren Sapp or a Tommy Harris that – that's the kind of build he is, right? Where it's just like he's so big, uh, so you know, strong, but really athletic, and that get off. Like that's what gets me is he is so quick. He looks like uh, an edge rusher, right, off the ball, uh, off the line of scrimmage. So I think his ceiling is really high, and he looked really good, albeit against a, a poor second string offensive lineman during the spring. He looked great uh, during the spring game when we really got to see him in this scheme. Uh, Keith Randolph was pretty dominant during the spring game as well against that backup offensive line group. So just physically, like they're they're different players. Like Keith Randolph. 
itself, I thought was an ideal five tech, four shade. We don't know how they're going to be employed. So that's why this is this is really difficult to kind of uh, go over. But I, I think Newton's not going to be a nose guard. I don't think Keith Randolph is a nose guard. I think those are guys that are kind of lined up over the guard, maybe sometimes at tackle, uh, that, that really can disrupt things. I, I just see Keith Randolph in that, again, I'm just trying to say players that can, can remind you of how they'll play. But Richard Seymour was so key for those Patriots teams, and he wasn't the guy who got the sacks all the time, but he just set an edge. He disrupted the backfield. And I think Keith Randolph can be that kind of player. Like that's kind of the mold of, you know, size, strength, a little bit of athleticism that he's in. Now, Richard Seymour's a Hall of Famer, Warren Sapp. I'm, I'm just trying to give you an idea of like, the, how to frame these players and the roles that they'll play for Illinois. But I think both those guys have long-term potential as really good Big Ten starters and potential NFL draft picks. And then the middle, Joey, we have Roderick Perry, who was this late addition last year. Um, he can play a little three-tech as well. He's got some versatility in there, but I just love him as a nose guard. Uh, really strong, really athletic, can disrupt things like Johnny Newton, so he can play that three-technique as well and and get upfield. But um, he's, he's one of the players that I feel like Illini fans probably don't talk about a lot, but I think is going to be huge for them. Because while we're talking about what you know Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph could be with the idea of what they could be, Roderick Perry was their best defensive lineman last year. And transferring from South Carolina State as an NFL draft prospect, I thought he lived up to the hype. Uh, Wisconsin game, I thought he was one of the only bright spots. Had some down games, but um, I think Roderick Perry is a really good Big Ten starter. He got all Big Ten honorable mention last year. So probably one of the better players on this team that Illini fans aren't talking about. But it's going to be huge uh, for this defense to take a step forward. And when he came back, I thought that was monstrous uh, for Illinois, just to give them a known up front. Yeah, he was somebody that you know people had tabbed as uh, you know one of the better senior defensive linemen when he left. He fairly reluctantly left South Carolina State. I mean, this wasn't like he was displeased or anything. He just needed to play football and get some film out there. And, and you know, I remember Jeremy when he transferred. Uh, I don't think I was working with you at the time, but we had talked about it, and it was like, hey, you know, how's this FCS? And, and you know, what's the jump? They're quickly and fine, right? I mean, he. The stats, if you look at it, it's like 17 tackles, a couple tackles. I mean, nothing that you looked – if you just were dropped in and looked at those, you weren't like, oh, wow. But he was in the backfield so frequently, and he was – he just made things really a thorn in the butt of offenses in, in that interior area. He was just just a problem. I, I mean, he's it, – it's really remarkable. You know, it's, it's a quick little tangent. I know we, we – I, when I was down in Florida – I talked to somebody at the rehabilitation place where Bobby Roundtree was rehabbing. They said, oh, you cover Illinois? I said, yeah. They said, well, I know somebody who's a defensive lineman there. I said, okay, well, who? They said, I was a trainer at South Carolina State when Rod Perry was there. And I thought, okay, you know, and and obviously when we talked about Rod, one of the first things you talk about is his personality. He's very everything's kind of just a, a sit around a table type discussion with the guy. But she said he was just kind of like this ball of clay when he comes in as a freshman, just so overlooked by literally everybody out of high school. I mean, I think he was a state champion at wrestler. And I know a lot of coaches like that parallel, but then he just worked himself into this really, really dominant force in FCS and a really big piece of what Illinois is doing in the big 10 and you get him for two years and, and I'll be honest, maybe without his season-ending injury, 
maybe that second year doesn't happen. I mean, I know, you know, he mentioned when he came back that he said, hey, you don't want to have that kind of hanging over your shoulder a little bit. This ankle injury is what it was. And he wanted more tape. And what a boon for Brett Bielema, for Terrence Jameson to have this kind of guy in there. And you're right, really overlooked a little bit by a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. So behind him or potentially alongside him, you know, the thing about the defensive line, you're going to rotate a lot of guys, right? They're, they're big guys moving a lot. So you got to be six, seven deep here. Uh, and, and I do feel like, you know, at nose guard, if Rod Perry is one and Calvin Avery is one, or, you know, they play together, or they uh, play alongside each other. You know, Calvin Avery has taken a step forward. He he looked good towards the end of the year, saw some flashes of him, but obviously a four-star prospect, Joey, that hasn't quite lived up to that hype during his career. He's got 40 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, two sacks. You see these flashes, but then you don't see him on the field for a long time because it's been hard to keep him on the field. He's had some conditioning issues. He's a large man, but he has lost some weight uh, down to 330 pounds, um, a slim three. 30 for Calvin Avery. Uh, but the past staff talked a lot about that. This staff uh, likes the way uh, he, he is. And I think if we set the realistic expectations for Calvin Avery of, hey, you're going to get 20 to 30 snaps out of the guy, but they could be really good 20 to 30 snaps. Um, that could be the expectation where he might not be the star of the defensive line, but at nose guard, He's got, for his size, he's quick, and he can take up a lot of space there. So um, he can disrupt things. And that's that's what we talk about with defensive line, right? It's not like a lot of sacks from these guys in the interior, but it's disruption. How much can you wreck havoc is the word uh, Virtus Brown used. Uh, but Calvin Avery, uh, I don't know if expectations are high, but this staff seems to, to like where he's at right now. And I thought both for the short term and long term, they added some nice depth by – Taking Virtus Brown, who's another former four-star prospect, can move really well for his size. Um, this is more long-term, I think, because they need some depth after Rod Perry leaves. But Virtus is a large man with great quickness that eventually can develop into that. But what are your expectations for Calvin Avery? I think about the same, 20 to 25, 30 snaps, somewhere in that 20 to 30 range, right? Well. We'll see. I, I think it's really telling, and, and I know it's a different scheme, and, and what he's going to be asked to do is going to be different in this scheme. But I'll tell you, Jeremy, for probably the last year and a half of, of the old regime, and it was really surprising because th- this isn't really how that staff operated, right? Like they, they didn't really come out and and kind of air all of this to us. But but his conditioning was really almost the lead topic of conversation with Calvin Avery and and. You know, some of, a lot of that's on him, right? I mean, we know that they had asked him to do some things. But I, I don't know what the fulfillment of those asks were, but physically the, the, we didn't see a lot of the uh, – maybe the changes, at least from the from the naked eye, right? I mean, I don't, we didn't see a scale every day, anything like that, or conditioning or what he was able to do. But that's not been the topic with, with this staff. And I think you put him, you know, nose guard and let him – I mean, it's going to take a couple, a couple gentlemen to – to get a corral this guy, right? I mean, he's a big guy. And and if you give him these, you know, GC's bursts where he's at, you know, conditioning is not really as much of a factor, that's good because he is a very powerful individual. I mean, he's a big guy, a powerful guy. It's just, I think it's harder when you look at some of the four stars, especially interior linemen. It's exactly what you said. Like you expect, you know, casually you expect these stars to equal like, just these mammoth stats for, for these guys up the middle. And 
And that's really not what it is, right? It's exactly what you said. It's disruption. Maybe tackles for loss is a better indication because that means you're effective in the running game. I like, I like on pro football focus, there's pressures. There's, um, you know, I I think you got to turn on the film to to see, you know, a lot of these guys and, and what they do. Um, You know, some of the the better defensive tackles of late, you know, it's just, you know, Jamal Milan had some games where he didn't have any sacks or tackles for loss, but it was just like, he's in the backfield and he's getting somebody else to tackle for loss. It's almost like a a hockey assist uh, in in that way. Um, Before we get to the, the edge rushers, the outside linebackers, I'm not sure what to expect out of Jamal Woods. We know when he's on the field, he can be disruptive. Um, he's a little undersized compared to these other guys. Probably more of a him and Keith Randolph probably playing the same position, but you know, or, or Johnny Newton. But he's he's smaller than those guys, right? But he has been disruptive when he's on the field. It's just he hasn't been able to stay on the field. Uh, but obviously, a guy very experienced and a leader of, of that room. So he, he gives you good depth up front. The issue for me, though, with this group is is kind of the long term, Joe. As high as I am on Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, and I'm really interested to see, you know, Calvin Avery's got two years of eligibility left. Virtus Brown has up to three years of eligibility left. Um, so I think both those guys could be really interesting. They need to to land some guys, um, and I think this is this is an area where transfer portal they could add somebody next year. Sed McConnell's a nice prospect uh, in the freshman class. Quentin McCoy haven't seen on the field yet as a redshirt freshman, um, but they haven't landed a defensive lineman yet in the class, and I think it's a huge need. So Brian Allen is a big one uh, for them, uh, the three star prospect from Illinois playing in Connecticut now, uh, as well as Sella Brown is is somebody we know. We've talked about a lot of four star prospect on the composite not being recruited quite like a four-star prospect seems to really like Louisville but how much does Louisville really like him but just just for the future I think this is a spot in 2022 that I think this is the biggest need left on their board is is to add depth add some good prospects behind Johnny Newton Keith Randolph you know Calvin Avery Virtus Brown and Seth McConnell yeah I agree I, I was it's one of the things I'd written down when we had discussed this is this year is good, and there are some long-term pieces that I like, and we I just went on and on about them. But you said it earlier, Jim. This is a set. You got to have seven, eight, eight guys ready in this rotation. And just from a numbers standpoint, you don't have seven or eight guys worth of production in, in 2022. I, I think the portal is is really, to me, makes sense to be one of the most likely approaches here, and it helps that you know it used to be, Jimmy, when we talked about the portal. It was like if you got two years of a grad transfer, it was like, oh, my goodness, this is now you can get. I mean, we just saw it on the edge. We'll get to him and Alec Ryan. You can get four years, three yeah. years. And and the portal makes longer bridges for, for those prep prospects. Right. And it gives them a little room. I think it would, it would be huge for Illinois to hit on a Brian Allen or a Sella Brown. But we, we don't know. I mean, those are those are big boy battles in that recruiting there. And and we'll see how that goes, but the portal can really extend some of that a, a little bit. And I, I just, it's hard for me right now as we sit here on August 16th to think there's an approach unless they land both of those guys, in which case you still have two true freshmen mm-hmm. that they don't dip in the portal and, and try to make some sort of impact. I don't know how many years, I don't know, but this thing fills up, man, this portal moves quick, right? I mean, the, the, you would assume there are going to be options available for Brett Bielema, for for Terrence Jameson, for Ryan Walters, especially if they can maximize what they have this year with some of these younger guys and and put them in a position to showcase their talents. It, I mean, you can make that an attractive 
pitch to a potential portal recruit. And, and as you saw, we'll get into it with Alec Bryant, but a four-star prospect, right? So you could probably land a, a better, higher ceiling talent sometimes in that portal as well. All right, let's get to the other side of this. Let's move from the inside, the interior of the defensive line to the outside linebackers who are stand-up edge rushers and what we expect from them and how we expect some of these guys who've played defensive end for a really long time to transition uh, to that new position. Let's talk about that next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I think the first sign, Joey, of seeing that this defense is going to look different is when the spring roster came out and we see Owen Carney and Isaiah Gay and Seth Coleman and some others at outside linebacker. It was the first time it's like, all right, this is going to be some kind of look with edge rushers. You know, now I think we got to get rid of defensive ends. We did on 24 seven sports. Uh, we get rid of some of these old time kind of designations because, you know, edge rusher. I like the word term edge is, is more of what these guys do now. Um, still, we don't know exactly how these guys will play. We saw a little bit uh, of how they'll be employed um, during the spring game. And to be honest with you, Joey, they rushed the passer probably 90% of the time, if not more than that, right? So Owen Carney and Isaiah Gay and Seth Coleman are still going to rush the passer a lot. I don't see Owen Carney dropping into coverage very often. It seems like he's going to be in a very different role than, than even probably Isaiah Gay or Seth Coleman. Uh, but but this, this is a very important position for a new defense that makes you more versatile and, again, I think makes the defense – um, kind of question. We don't know what they're doing. Like who's gonna who's gonna rush the passer here? Um, so th- this is one of the most intriguing groups uh, for me going into the season because I just don't know what to expect. The opposing uh, Nebraska offense doesn't know quite what to expect, and it will be interesting to see how these guys make that transition. Look, I mean, you know, it's an important position. One, we bring in. I mean, you bring in a specific outside linebackers coach, right? You don't just. Who was a defensive coordinator at SMU. (laughs) That was my next point is is somebody with the qualifications and probably the aspirations, I would say, that Kevin Kane has. I mean, you don't just bring this in if you need a placeholder, right? This is a very important position for them and one that we've seen continuously tinkered, right? I mean, they they understand. I think they're they they maybe are pretty comfortable with where they're at in 21 with, with Isaiah Gay, with Owen Carney, but you've started to see some pieces move around to, to, I mean, you know, this isn't something that's just going to go away next year because this is the best fit. This is something that, you know, we anticipate sticking around, but I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think I exactly what you said. Like if I don't anticipate Owen Carney dropping much into coverage, it's, it's just hard for me to see, but this is one of those. It's like, man, if Isaiah Gay had this two years ago, you know, I, I thought this would have been 
outstanding for him, but everything we know could be wrong, right? Like they, they have told us, they have gone out of their way to act like they've never heard what a position is called before when we talk to coaches and we talk to players. So and that's fine. I get it. I, I don't love it, but I get it. So I don't know. I mean, it's exactly that with you. I mean, I, I'm curious to watch some other pieces of how this defense lines up, you know, just kind of nerdy rotational things. But this is like, what are they going to do? What is the, the yeah. snap count going to look like, right? And I think a lot of this is going to vary from the Iowa's of the world to the Minnesota's of the world, right? I, I think you could see things looking different. You know, what you see against Western, against Nebraska week one, week zero, is maybe now where you're going to see against Wisconsin in week whatever in the world they play Wisconsin. So I, I think that's so interesting because for the longest time, you know, coaches in their pregame would say, Illinois does this, 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 and this, and defensively, and we'll see you later, you know, talk to you after the game. But now I, I think you could see at least this specific position really causing maybe some nightmare unsettledness for, for opposing coaches. Yeah, here's my theory, okay? Like, I don't know this, but they've used the term multiple. Um, my theory is against a team like Wisconsin or Iowa, more traditional, uses tight ends, all of that, you'll see a more 3-4 kind of look. Um, now, when you see, which would be, I think the biggest change is three down linemen as opposed mm-hmm. to two. I think when you, and you'll have two outside linebackers, right? Owen Carney, Isaiah Gay. Uh, when you get a team like Nebraska, that's a spread team, you know, slot receivers out there. I think you're going to see five defensive backs, that star position with Prather Hudson or Eddie Smith, uh, whoever plays that nickel position. And I think you'll see two down linemen and the two outside linebackers on on the edge. I, I, I think that's kind of what you'll see. Like That's just my theory. We'll see if I'm completely wrong. And that's a kudos to Brett Bielema and Ryan Walters and all those guys for, for keeping this under wraps. But I think you're always going to see these two outside linebackers on the field. I think the number that will change the most is the the interior defensive lineman, how many guys are on the field. So let's talk about how we think these guys do fit. We mentioned a little bit with Owen Carney. I mean, he had the chance to go to uh, – We I heard Wake Forest was where he was likely going to land, but Penn State, Florida State, Texas were all interested in him. And he had a mini breakout last year. He was all Big Ten second team. I will say – um, he was pretty good all year, but the game against Purdue where he has three sacks, that's where most of that those stats were. So I, I don't know if I'm expecting Owen Carney to have double-digit sacks and have a Whitney Merciless year, but to get him back was was huge because he's just an experienced, solid you know, edge rusher, uh, really good against the run for the most part as well. And to get him back was was pretty big for Illinois. He's six foot three, about 270 pounds. Um, so he's going to be standing up, but I, I think you're going to basically see him be a strong side defensive end. I, I don't think his role changes all that much. I don't think you'll see him drop into coverage. Isaiah Gay, I think, is is built for this. Like I, I think at six foot, you know, three, six foot four, two hundred and fifty pounds, he's just got a special kind of athleticism bend. We like to say with these edge rushers, where he can kind of keep his balance and and keep moving upfield. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had more sacks by the end of the year than, than Owen Carney here, but I, I think it's a natural fit uh, for Isaiah Gay. And I think for Owen Carney, he sees a lot of value and like I can help myself for the NFL. So I don't know, like Illinois has not been great getting after the the passer, right? Like their pass, pass rush numbers have not been great over the last couple of years, did improve a little bit last year with what Owen Carney did. I think these guys are solid. I, I think it's up to them to show that they can be, 
really disruptive again. Like, can Carney do that again more consistently? Can Isaiah Gay finally tap into all that potential we think he has? Yeah, look, it kind of feels a little bit like we're – it sounds like we could be knocking Owen Carney, right, where it's like he's not – this isn't the idea. That's not the case. I, I think there's a reason Brett Bielema has really put him front and center through all of this offseason. I mean, and any chance Brett gets to talk about Owen Carney – he does, and I think that's meaningful. I don't think that's coach speak. I, I think and there's it, a lot what, of two sacks in the spring game too. So yeah, he yeah. looked he looked good, and, and, and yeah. Isaiah Gay looked great in, in the time we saw him in the spring game too. Yeah, so I, I don't want people to hear this and think, oh, the, they don't think Owen Carney is going to have an impact or, or whatever. I just I think it's just not the ideal thing for him. But I still think that they're going to make it work. And, and look, part of the pitch I think to get him back was Brett saying, I just coach this position. Yeah, in, in the NFL, I've seen guys who are built like you, who have the similar skill sets to you. And we've done things with them, and, and we know how to do that. And I think that was attractive to Owen Carney. So I I don't think this is like, eh, I, don't, I don't know, we'll see. I think he's going to have a solid year. No, I, I think what, what I was trying to say is like, I don't, right, know, no, yeah. I don't know if you have a, an elite group here. Right, like, yeah. I, I, like Owen Carney's a good player, a good Big Ten player, and I think Isaiah Gate can be, but I don't know if I go into the season thinking these two combined for sure. 15 sacks, right? And, right? and Illinois got an unbelievable pass rush. I think it's great they have them back. Like, they, it is huge to get both these guys back rather than throwing Seth Coleman in there, or, you know, needing to rely on Ezekiel Holmes, who we have no idea what he is capable of. Uh, I think these guys give him a high floor. I just don't know what their ceiling is, and that's what's yeah. going to be interesting. Is can this scheme, can this coaching staff unlock um, Isaiah Gay's potential and help Owen Carney take his game to another level? Sure, yeah. And I, I didn't think we were not, but as we talked, I'm like, oh, does this sound like we're knocking him? Because we don't think he's a fit. I don't think that's the case. But Isaiah Gay is really interesting, Jeremy, because, I mean, let's be honest, when he was a freshman, he, he did fine. I know that was four years ago. He didn't really have a lot of business being a freshman at that size, defensive end in the Big Ten. And then he made it work because he's quick, he's athletic, he's got some skills, but that is a really small defensive end. He looked good against Ball State as a true freshman. Getting in the Big Ten, it was just, uh, I mean, all those guys, right? I mean, Alex yeah. Palczewski, all, all of them. Like, it was just, like, unfair that they had to play. Yeah. But but I, I do wonder, you know, if it's – and then it was kind of slow for Isaiah Gay for a, a little bit there. There just wasn't a lot of on-the-field production. And then that's what I said. You kind of have this – alternative universe when you think about what he would have been if this would have been a scheme earlier in his career because I think this fits so much of what he's able to do and I think you nailed it the floor we have a rough understanding unless things completely fall off I mean I think you can say that about a lot of places you have super seniors I mean we've generally seen where the floor is I know that probably opens itself up to a, a couple criticisms of the scene but the floor I mean but the ceiling, how much more can this coaching staff take out of them? And again, I, I don't think it's an accident. They brought in somebody like Kevin Kane with his qualifications. I don't think it's an accident that they've spoken as highly. For, for a coaching staff that's trying to keep literally every last word in-house, it's not an accident when they say certain things. You've got to listen, right? And if you listen, you're hearing good things about those guys. Now, if there's – this is probably the position outside of offensive line where you look and you're like, oh, man, if there's no super senior year, how does this look? I mean, they probably would have been more active in the portal earlier. I, I think that's fair. And I, I think they would probably be personally driving to NCAA headquarters to try to beg for an Alec Bryant <laughs> waiver. Uh, but, but that's not the case this year. And you get two guys who can really 
kind of take control of that room, which is a young room, and, and just be guys who who kind of set the, the, the expectations of what Illinois wants this position to be. And, and then you got to get it out of them. But, but I think having those two guys in there is really important. Yeah, I think uh, outside linebacker is one of the biggest questions long term here uh, for this roster because I got my scholarship chart. You got two super seniors in Isaiah Gay and Owen Carney. You feel pretty good about no seniors, no juniors at the position. One redshirt sophomore in Ezekiel Holmes, who has played 14 defensive snaps, and then four freshmen. Right, DJ Johnson not going to play an impact this year. Like he's he's got to add strength, but an interesting long term prospect who Bielma and his staff personally went out and got Seth Coleman, who I long term talent, um, ridiculously high ceiling. Alec Bryant. Nice addition. We'll talk about him here in a little bit as a transfer, but likely not to play this year, though Illinois is going to try. And then you bring Shimon Cooper over for depth. Bryce Barnes, a former uh, starting defensive tackle last year, is now playing outside linebacker. Um, but those are those are big questions. That's a, that's a big drop-off there, or like a, a big drop-off into the unknown, I should say, because there certainly is uh, some talent there. But for this year, I think your second string has, has two guys, Joey, that certainly look the part. I mean, you look for outside linebackers in a 3-4 scheme or these edge rushers, 6-5, athletic, 240 to 250 pounds. Like that, That's what you want, right? And Ezekiel Holmes is a good-looking athlete. On the hoof, looks great. Just haven't seen him. Uh, the word is that he sounds like he's pretty good against the run. Um, is he as athletic or as quick as Seth Coleman? Not sure, but Seth Coleman's a guy I am excited about long-term. Started several games last year as a, as a redshirt freshman defensive end over Isaiah Gay, so that tells you what, what the previous staff thought of his talent. Had some nice moments, uh, but six foot five, 240, 245 pounds, and he's just got some quick-twitch athleticism that you can't teach, Joey. So if, if Kevin Kane can get uh, the technique part, add strength, all those things, he has a really high ceiling, and I would expect him to be you know, the, the next guy off the bench. Like if they need Isaiah Gay to take a break or if Isaiah Gay's struggling, Seth Coleman comes in. Maybe Holmes is, is Carney's backup, but I think Seth Coleman gets the most reps behind those guys, and, and I think his ceiling is, is really high. I don't know how much we'll see of it this year, but – uh, this is his third year of college, right? So I think Seth Coleman's a guy I'm excited about long term. And remember, he was kind of an undersized guy at the old position coming in, and he was similar, kind of a similar path a little bit to with, with Isaiah Gay physically early on in his career. But I, I'm with you. I, I don't know how much he's going to show of his ceiling, but I think there's going to be enough on tape where going into next season, you can look and say, hey, that guy had an X number of snaps. He has some pretty – some pretty solid moments there and that's exactly what you want out of a backup who's knocking on the starter's door right and and beyond him we just we don't know how much stock you put into shaman cooper right now i mean they, they say he's just incredibly strong upper body and but he literally just moved there right so i mean there's outside of really i would say jeremy those top three just because I don't know what to expect out of Ezekiel Holmes, I I, I wonder a little bit depth-wise where this is at and, and how they balance that out with exactly what we had talked about, where we think that interior line changes with scheme more than the outside linebackers, meaning you got to have some some guys to go in there and, and keep guys fresh. You can't play Owen Carney and Isaiah Gay. I wouldn't think yeah. every snap. Maybe you can. I don't know. I don't know how well they're conditioned. I mean, I'm assuming that's a big, big order. 
Uh, so, so you got to have some other guys ready to rock in there. And, and outside of Coleman, I, I do wonder a little bit about who those guys are. Yeah, I was about to ask you, what are your expectations for Shimon Cooper? Because he did just move to this position. Listen, I, I can't understand why Shimon Cooper, after Tariq Barnes got hurt, after Kalon Tolson got hurt, all due respect to Michael Marquez, who's who's you know worked his way from a walk on and made some impact. Uh, I just don't know why he wouldn't play your four star prospect. Who every time he gets on the field, he seems to be around the ball, right? Like he just seems to to get tackles. Like he'll play one quarter and have five tackles, or play like a series and get three tackles. And Shimon Cooper is just a really good football player at inside linebacker. I do think this is a big change for him. You know, he he's added some strength and he needed to. He is really strong in the weight room at six foot two, two hundred and twenty pounds, but that's a really undersized, you know, think about defensive end, edge rusher. That that is an undersized guy there. So he's gonna have to continue to add some some strength there. I, I think he's close to being topped out weight wise. I think he's just a guy that's always been a little bit like weight. It's hard to keep on, though he can keep adding strength. Um I, I'm not expecting a huge huge impact from him though i think if i have to put him on the football field i think shimon cooper will go get the ball i just think he can get overpowered by an offensive tackle right and that's no fault of his own i think he's an inside linebacker long term i don't think this is his position long term but i do think it makes sense when you have depth at inside linebacker jake hansen cj hart barnes and and tolson coming back it makes sense to try and put a good football player at a position where you need depth, but I think that's what he is right now. I think he's depth. That if you have a couple injuries, you can put him on the football field and know that hey, Shimond will will know where to be and, and he can get around the ball. It's just he's probably going to be overmatched sometimes by these big offensive line. Yeah, I think of him a little bit like right now. If I look at this, you look at the two different types of players that Isaiah Gay and Owen Carney are, and you can say the same probably about. Seth Coleman and Ezekiel Holmes, right? I mean, you can, if you had to shoebox them, I guess, and, you know, be one who's a little more able to drop back, one who's probably better against the run and more of the traditional DN, that would probably put Shimon Cooper and Seth Coleman in a similar area, right, uh, of what their skills are. I mean, he's closer to, Shimon Cooper would be closer to Isaiah Gay than he would be to Owen Carney, right? In the yeah. same way that Seth Coleman would, would would be similar to that. So how does that look? I'm with you. Is this a long term? I mean, right. Except, it, except Shimon compared to Seth is three inches shorter and right, twenty right. pounds, twenty five pounds. Yeah, yeah, in terms of struggling with offensive tackles, yeah. you know, I, I would assume. Uh, so maybe this is a move that doesn't stick. I, I don't know. I we don't know much right now. I mean, we're, we're trying, but. Uh, now that Alec Bryant is in the fold, do, does that change the the scope of what you'd like to do with Shimon Cooper long term? I, you know, maybe, but could could he be a guy on, like right now on special teams? You know, I mean, he, he's, again, could that be his impact? And and maybe it's just hard for me to. I understand the stars. I get all of that, right? And he's a good I, football. I'm with you. Go ahead. Yeah, I just don't. I don't understand how the the logic of a lot of how they used him. Um, in the past, I know there's a different coaching staff. I don't really understand the logic of, of some of the physical uh, long-term goals they had for him in, in terms of maybe keeping a, the weight a little bit down, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, so I just – it's just hard for me to move him up just because I, I, we've seen three, and, and it's, you know, Ezekiel Holmes probably physically 
is a little more ideal for that position. Yeah, I know Illini fans want like the four-star prospect to produce, right? Like you're, you're seeing that with Marquez Beast, and I think people sure. are wishing a certain thing that is that is different from reality. But I do think at, at, at this point, it's a good thing to have to try and have to find a place for Shimon Cooper. Cause that means that inside linebacker, Jake Hansen's back CJ Hart's in addition, right? Tariq Barnes and Kalon Tillerson. It's more of a, Hey, they're good. And they've proven it on the field. Um, that's why we had to move Shimon Cooper. who might not be the ideal fit at this position, but let's see what he can do. And in, in the early returns, sound like he's, he's taking pretty well to that mm-hmm. position. Even though he told me his heart is that inside linebacker. Uh, he just wants to get on the field, man. And, and we'll see if he can do it at this position. I also wouldn't count out Bryce Barnes. Uh, it goes from 280 pounds of defensive tackle to 255 at outside linebacker. I would imagine he's depth behind Owen Carney. I don't see him, you know, getting too many sacks at this position, but I, I can't see him setting a good edge. I, I thought he was on the verge of a scholarship w- with the past staff. And, and Bryce Barnes has always found a way to get on the field Two one of the only freshmen in his class to, to play more than four games, his true freshman year. So I just want to mention Bryce Barnes because, because I think he can make it a, a an impact when, when some people might not think it but Alec Bryant was a huge addition here uh, obviously he's got to prove it uh, didn't had some issues arise at, at Virginia Tech with the school there had some disciplinary issues but there's talent man I mean six foot three 240 pounds really athletic one of the best prospects at his position coming out of high school and you get four years of eligibility whenever he is available to play. I don't expect him to get the waiver. I don't think Illinois expects him to get the waiver since he entered the transfer portal after that one-time transfer rule deadline of July 1st. Uh, but you take your shot and, and you see if he's available. But uh, four years of him just gives you a lot more confidence going into next year of the talents and the ability and the depth you have at that position, Joey. So I just thought... What what a great addition! We'll see what he can turn into once he gets here, once he gets spring ball under his belt. Uh, but just a huge talent upgrade that I, I had this one is like my number one transfer need for the off season. They got it before they even got to the season, so uh, I just think that's a that's a huge addition. Again, I don't know if he'll be great, but you needed more talent there. You needed more depth, and and boy, he's a talent and depth upgrade. Yeah, agree with all that. I think timing was really big here. You're not getting him next summer, right? Where you got to kind of force feed all of this information to a kid learning the, the new scheme and uh, you're getting him for a full year of, of some sort of reps, probably scout team. If I had to, to guess, right. I mean, you, you get him in meetings, you get him one-on-one with Kevin Kane, with Ryan Walters, with the whole nine yards with Brett Bielema. And, and now all of a sudden you've got this body of work. And, and I, I just think that matters so much because I don't know, I mean, I didn't play football, but it, it sounded like it'd be difficult to show up in the summer and and try to learn everything. I mean, I feel like we talk about that with every single transfer ever, right? Or even high school freshman. I mean, physically they've got things to do, but it's the timing is so important. And then the talent is obviously it is really good there. And I don't know, it, to me, it is hard to imagine a waiver just because like, what's the point of the date? if you're just going to hand out a waiver for players who transfer after the date. Now, I, I don't know all of the circumstances, uh, surrounding it, maybe they've got something up their sleeve, or maybe it's just like, "Hey, let's let's see what we can do here." Uh, but man, you're right. I mean, I, I still think there might be some interest. You know, maybe the portal somewhere else they go um, because you know they do have a, a true freshman coming in and Jared Beatty yeah. next season. 
Um, but and Kevin still, Kane I, basically said, like, DJ Johnson and, and Jared Beatty, you can't talk about Jared Beatty, but he basically said, we're a development program. We want to get these guys into the program, develop them, and strength is a big part of that. But, like, I think he understands, like, Beatty and Johnson, they're going to take time. And that's why Alec Bryan, a guy who's more physically ready, Seth Coleman, Ezekiel Holmes, uh, they're going to be huge parts of this. And I agree, they might they might enter the transfer portal again, but I don't think they're counting on Beatty or, or Johnson to be really important pieces in 2022. Look, we've said that with several other positions. Good. Yes. Right? Good. That, that is that is so tough to do to walk in there and be a true freshman. Now, if you play your way into it, Hey, more power to you, right? But if you're asked to figure it out on the fly, that's a different, you know, different thing for me. So yeah, the portal maybe we'll see. Maybe they're so enthused with what they have with Seth Coleman that that maybe, you know, maybe that lessens the need for just like a you know kind of a shoot your shot, big game hunting type of, of portal. We'll see. But getting him now, I mean, you're it's exactly it's huge. It's huge. All right, so let's wrap this up. With the front five, front four, whatever it'll be, we'll see what it looks like during the season. This group needs to take a huge step forward because while there have been some good talents uh, over the Lovey Smith there, I mean, Oluwole Batiku had one of the best years uh, of recent memory, was inconsistent, of course. Owen Carney was an all-Big Ten second-team guy. I think Jamal Milan was kind of an underrated piece of those defenses. And, of course, rest in peace Bobby Roundtree, who looked like he was headed for stardom. And Roderick Perry had a good year last year. But as a unit, I mean, you look at the rushing yards per game rank. The last four years, Illinois has been the worst team in the Big Ten allowing rushing yards per game. 200-plus yards every year. And that has to, you have to be under that number. Like, you have to be competitive, and Illinois has just not been competitive. And then you look at uh, the pass rush numbers over the last four years, this is according to Pro Football Focus, 72-72-105-77. Okay? That, that, those are bad front fives, front fours. Right, you just are not producing. You're not disrupting enough. You're not winning enough one-on-one battles. And I do think this defense will be a little bit different. You're not just shooting into a single gap and disrupting things. Uh, and Illinois didn't have enough talent to win enough one-on-one battles to succeed at that, in my opinion. Now you're looking to take up gaps, right? You're trying to just take up a couple blockers and, and let the next guy come through. At least that's what we envision this defense being, based on what Brett Bielma has done in the past. So. Let's see what they can do. I think the talent, when you look across the Big Ten level, Joey, probably, you know, in that 7 to 11, 12 range, I would imagine, up front. But they got to be more competitive. That, that's what I'm looking for out of this group because there are too many times this front four, front five has just not been competitive uh, enough. Like how much time Graham Mertz had <laughs> just sitting in that pocket against Wisconsin or just running backs are – the offensive line gets two yards upfield before the running back even gets the ball. Um, this this has to be a huge, huge growth area for Illinois. And, and you do have some experience. You got some talent up here. Again, this is one of the areas I think scheme and and uh, coaching is going to make the biggest impact. Yeah, this, I'm with you. This isn't like the most talented front five in the Big Ten. Not, probably not a top half, maybe. But there's enough talent to be competitive. There's enough talent to not get shoved all over the field and, and just not and allow 200 rushing yards a game. I, and we've heard Brett Beal, it's, it's like ingrained in my mind. Does he say good football teams run the ball, stop the run and cover kicks? I don't think anybody, if anything is going to send him as ballistic as giving up 200 rushing yards a game. You just can't do that. Not in this conference. 
Uh, you just can't not in any conference. So there's just there's there's talent that just doesn't match the results to me. I, I guess this is it's hard for me to look around. And I understand last year Johnny Newton was a true freshman, Keith was a redshirt freshman. I get all of that, but there is some. I mean, for what this has been, I mean they've had a little they've had bouts of experience, right? Like with Jamal Milan, with, with Kenyon Jackson, and that like I just don't understand how some of these numbers exist. Yeah, other than like, maybe scheme. Like, we're not in the days of, and, and and kudos to these guys, right? Austin Titesman was not your starting defensive tackle anymore. You mentioned Kenyon Jackson was five foot ten, Like, he was my height, right? And, and, and starting as a defensive tackle, you have guys who look like Big Ten defensive linemen right now. And a couple of these guys, I think, have NFL potential. And that's why I think the last year or two especially have been pretty disappointing up front. And... I, I think the coaching the last co- coaching staff didn't get enough out of him. I thought Austin Clark was actually a pretty good coach. Mike Fair was a fantastic coach. I thought they needed to add talent, and they started to do it. Um, last year, I was pretty disappointed in, in this group, and I think it points a lot towards scheme, but we'll find out uh, at the end of this year because this group, you got to keep adding talent because these Big Ten offensive lines are, are really good. The Big Ten is really good, but I, I just think this is an area they need to take a big step forward, and I, I think they're capable of that. So uh, for this defense to be competitive, this group has to be uh, competitive. So I think we covered it. The defensive line, outside linebacker group, going to be really interesting to see what Kevin Kane and, and Terrence Jameson can get out of them. Coming up uh, in the next podcast, we'll talk about the linebacker group that we were really concerned about in the spring. Not as nearly concerned about uh, going into fall camp. And of course, we'll get to the DBs later in the week. Uh, a group that has some familiar names, but was really disappointing last year and has added a lot of competition back there as well. Uh, so thanks for listening to the Illini Choir podcast. Get our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to us. Rate us, review us. We appreciate when you do that. And check us out. It's free VIP VIP day Monday on the site. So if you don't even have a VIP subscription, you can get all of our content, see our board for free. Uh, but then later this week, Tuesday and Wednesday, our best deal of the year, 75% off a VIP uh, subscription for your first year. Uh, that's more than $75 of savings, $225 a month, basically, for all of our line coverage. And we got a lot of it uh, coming up with the season uh, upon us. Joey Wagner, thank you, buddy. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.